Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, February 15th, and we are here at the National Code Enforcement Network with a special guest today, Miss Hope Medina. Um, and Hope is a complete rock star. Not only is she a plants examiner, inspector, instructor, consultant with Shams Coda, but she also leads the Sustainability Membership Council with ICC and does phenomenal work with the council itself. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. They do have a page on LinkedIn under ICC Sustainability Membership Council, as well as on Facebook. Um, there are a few videos also uh, on YouTube that you can check out on a lot of the works that Hope has done to include, you know, up and coming careers in, in the building industry, how sustainability plays a fundamental role, her passion, which is water conservation, which is amazing. And in addition, to that before I lead in into the awesome hope we also have a monthly coffee with the sustainability membership council which is every month and this month it's going to be held this week on the 18th it's going to be uh, in the morning I think it's 9 to, 9 to 10 if you can correct you can correct me if I'm wrong but we we'll go into that but this this uh, month's topic is going to be on equity and the codes, equity in the codes. So it's going to be an amazing topic, really cool stuff. And just for those of you that um, haven't joined, that are going to join in, you know, with every conversation that you're having, it's it's one of those that you show up and you're having coffee with your friends and you're having conversations and in those conversations lead to other conversations that basically help us learn a little bit more and kind of dissect and, and do all the good things that we do as building industry professionals. So with that, hope. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, that was such a wonderful introduction. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. We are so excited to learn more about you. And and, and uh, we're going to go into telling us a little bit about yourself. But first, before I let you do your thing again, I, I got to mention before I forget. So the first time I met Hope, y'all, it was at the 2019 ABM. And I was there as a board shadow with uh, Chris Bridges. And Chris was telling me, okay, Cece, you're in here, you take it all in, learn all the things, you get to know everybody. And then Hope was kind of at a corner where we're getting ready for the uh, board of directors meeting. And he said, that one right there, Hope, she's a rock star. You got to get to know her, you know, attach to her, pick her brain, connect. And I was like, you got it. So I said, mental note, I got to get to know Hope. <laughs> so with that, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I, I've really had a great opportunity that I've, I um, have kind of been able to fill all of the positions within a building department, which is nice because I started off to get into, you know, to get into this, I, I started off as a permit tech, which was fantastic because I really got the opportunity to do a lot of work with our code enforcement um, and and a lot of the contractors that were you know in the jurisdiction that I was at and and getting to know the inspectors and plans examiners and how everything works, which was great when I was making the next step um, when I started studying for all of uh, my certifications to become an inspector, um, and and then I had a absolutely fantastic plans examiner that I worked with. Because my, my thought was, you know, as a permit tech, I saw that we had one plans examiner who was insanely overloaded with doing plan reviews. And I thought that's really something that I can assist with because we had the over-the-counter plan review uh, day. And so I thought, well, that's something that I could assist with where, you know, he doesn't have to do it all by himself. And um, I talked to him about it. Unfortunately, uh, my... Um, building official didn't like the idea of, of me moving um, on in my career path and thought that that was the, the spot that I should say. But my plans examiner, uh, who I credit so much to my success in, in the fact that he was willing, he would give me plans like after work, it was all secret. <laughs> and nothing was done in the public. I would take them home. I'd look at them. I'd write what I saw wrong. And then I'd bring it back and we'd have coffee. And in that coffee time, we would discuss, now, why did you call this out? Or why did you say that? And and I was able to really learn and, and develop 
that way. And it was, it was just amazing. And, you know, just kind of speaking about how you just have that person that steps in at the right time to really help facilitate things. I've, I have been very blessed that not only did I have that plans examiner at that time, um, when I left that jurisdiction and I went to a new jurisdiction, I had the most fantastic building official there that really kind of set my path going. He took a chance with me because I didn't have a you know, any experience. I had the certifications to be an inspector, but I had didn't have the opportunity to really get that experience. And he yeah. took a shot on me and said, okay, I, I see you have the, the willingness, the desire to learn. I think we can, you know, train me. And, and they did. I think I did a pretty good job with that. <laughs> and um, he was amazing and said, you know what, I, I think there's, there's a lot that you can do. And one of the things he did is got me involved with the uh, Colorado chapter of ICC, which is our local ICC chapter. Um, and I was able to get involved with the co-change committee. And with that, um, I got to experience how the codes were developed. And my very, very first code that I got to go to was the 2012 IGCC. Oh, and a lot of people think that like my passion for sustainability and energy came because, you know, I, I kind of hit that path where nobody was really focusing on energy and nobody was really focusing on sustainability because it was more of a newer topic to the building industry, right? Walls were always put up this way and, you know, you always have pipes going here or, you know, ducks going there type of deal and energy was a, a new way of thinking things but as as crazy as that sounds i as a kid <laughs> actually did a lot of things that were sustainable you know recycling um we would go out and you know do a lot of cleanup and thinking about things and and my dad i have to contribute a lot of my building to my dad because he he kind of got me on the path for sustainability with a lot of his thoughts and and items that he would practice and um like one of the one of my favorite or fondest memories is the fact that uh when i was younger he worked for uh the denver fire department here um, he was on the force for, uh, you know, 25 years and he did many different roles, search and rescue, hazmat, all that. But the light, the latter, probably 15 or so years, he was an arson investigator. Well, to become an arson investigator, you have to go and get all these certifications. And part of it is learning, you know, the, the buildings. And so when he was studying for that, I was probably ish or something he would take me to downtown Denver and he would talk to me about all of these buildings and you know do you know why you see those iron stars on that wall well that means it's a heavy timber building you know just little things that you know I picked up I, I can't say that that's why I got into the whole you know construction and, and building industry but I know that that definitely stuck with me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's really amazing. That is so amazing, Hope. And you know what? Um, there's a couple of things that I picked up on that. And, and the first one is just talking about your plan check um, experience. And I think that, that that I think is a great story because of the fact that, you know, you you don't always get the support, although there are many awesome mentors out there. But I can relate to you in the sense that um, one of the things that was suggested for me was go ask for those throwaways, right? Those, those red line throwaways. Hey, do you have any extra plans and any blueprints I can review and read? I'll, I'll stick my notes into them, make my own notes, and then, you know, ask the questions. And so that is really awesome that you had that opportunity to do that. And in addition to that, you know, I um, took a, a conservation, land use conservation class as part of my col college education and I had no clue about your carbon footprint I had no clue about any of that how that affects everything and I gotta tell you that as I was going through that class I was like 
oh my gosh, there is so much to consider, so much about reducing your carbon footprint, so much of how that affects our environment and how we live in it and how we respect it and conserve. But in addition to that, um, I remember there was the first round of trainings when we started talking about green building. Right. And I took a, a class over at the Sacramento Municipal Utility District and they went through construction types and, and VOCs and what that means and, you know, all that cool stuff. And I was just blown away because it's a whole nother level of construction that we weren't really tapping into at the time for a long time. So really diving into that was like, this is kind of remarkable stuff. So I went through my green building professional certification and I got to tell you, I, I recommend it just like you. So when I see you kind of doing your thing and, and for those of us that haven't seen Hope in action, oh my gosh, you have to see her in action because she is so passionate about this stuff, hence her background. But, oh, yeah. um, but it's, so it's great. That is really great. I, I'm really enjoying hearing how that all kind of impacted and helped kind of mold where you're at right now. Yes. So let me chime in here. We really love bringing folks with, you know, the passion of their profession into our program. You know, and it's one of the reasons we invited you. Um, you know, my story with Hope is, you know, I, I've seen Hope on the Internet. She posts about energy and about this. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Me as a code enforcement guy, not a building guy. I, I really don't know much. But in learning code enforcement, sometimes there's a nexus to everything, whether it be water conservation ordinances or somebody's doing construction and you're like, hey, they're not doing X, Y, and Z. So, you know, I, I just happened to see her, you know, at, sitting at a hotel. We were at a, a, the annual business meeting. I'm like, hey, you're Hope. She's like, hey, you're Pete. <laughs> we kind of knew each other from the internet, which is which is crazy, but it felt like I already knew her. And, you know, one of the things I said, hey, I, I need you to come on the show you're passionate about energy. I want people in code enforcement to learn about energy. And, you know, one of the things that I also caught on, same thing with Cecilia, when you talked about, um, you know, doing these clandestine plans, you know, uh, plans examiners, a lot of times, you know, you're so good at, you know, being a permit tech. Why would somebody want to lose you? But, you know, being a good manager, somebody has to recognize that you have additional talents and, and want you to grow. And sometimes that path is in there. So when you went to your next jurisdiction and you got that opportunity to grow, that, you know, sometimes it's scary to make that change. And you know what? You have a really good job, but you're not growing. And a lot of times you have to get out of that comfort zone because, you know, you know, you, you when you talk about, you know, being 10 years old and doing stuff with your, your dad, you know, I have a six-year-old son and I do TikToks with my son with uh, code enforcement. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we so you know, and and it's funny because I asked him the other day what he wanted to be. He said either ice cream man because I get free ice cream, or be a, be a code enforcement officer that does TikToks. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and and I, to to me, it's like you know what this next generation of your story and you know the technical trade program that ICC is putting together for the next generation is so important. And when you talk about sustainability, uh, people realize that we, we're working on a safer built environment. And maybe that safe and built environment isn't today, you know, that construction. It's, we're, we're setting it for the future to be in a safer, you know, have better air quality, better, you know, better uh, materials and things like that. So now, Hope, uh, before, let me, I always like to kind of scale back a little bit to, you know, what got you, how did you end up being a permatech, first of all? And then we'll go into, uh, you know, your path into um, sustainability. Um, well, it, it ended up being, um, you know, I had been looking, trying to get into that um, area. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what it was that spurred me um, to, to get in that because at the time, um, I, I wasn't in the construction industry. I didn't start off in the construction industry. Um, my dad being a fireman, you know, a lot of times they do that construction on the side deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I had that, you know, aspect of it. I did a lot of like helping build and stuff, but I didn't get the opportunity to really go in there. And I have always found it interesting. And I had always had like, a desire I, and I can't explain it other than that and um, uh, a position came up and I thought well I'll give it a shot and and I was able to get it and and uh, the the really fun thing and I know this is going to sound odd to most people but the really fun thing for me was 
studying to get my permit tech certification because while I had a, a great, I had a great understanding of what the codes were and, you know, all the various types of codes and all that, I hadn't had the opportunity really to, um, you know, dive in and really get to know it very intimately. And that was like the best for me. And um, I, I just loved it. And then I, since then, I just... I don't know. I just kind of moved with it. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. It's, um, you know, Cecilia and, and Rachel call themselves code nerds, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because they, they dive into these books and, you know, you go through a lot of jurisdictions, but you never see people crack open those books. They just kind of learn from the, the previous guy, you know, and, and, and it's funny like that because you know, a lot of times there's so much growth in with learning these model codes, whether it be uh, the green code or, or, you know, your building code, there's a property maintenance code. There's always changes mm -hmm. and, and it happens. You belong to code development. So you have a, uh, uh, you know, the changes, you're part of that change, which is amazing. And you're, you know, one of the reasons we say you're a rockstar because you're very involved because you see something, you're like, Hey, that needs to change or we need to improve on this or, Hey, that's a little bit outdated. And we have to take these steps back because you know, the, the permit tech that do, doing the clandestine plan checks today, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're going to be the next future leaders of tomorrow. And we have to set that example, which is something that you, you've done. And, you know, I really appreciate you for that. And and one of the things that I also, you know, when, when you got into from permit tech to plan check now, other than, you know, like loving like Earth Day and like, you know, <laughs> you're a little girl and stuff like that. What actually caught your eye with sustainability? But before we get that, um, for this is most of our audience is code enforcement officers. So, yeah. what is sustainability? Uh, what is uh, you know what are some of the components that you know that we're looking to improve on? Well, the I think one of the first things I want to dispel is the myth that you know energy and sustainability is not a life safety issue because I, I hear that quite often. Um, I think from the building side, but I think honestly, the the code official side, seeing how being out there and seeing it from a different perspective, I find that they're more in tune with the fact that this is, you know, a life safety issue. It's a life um, style issue, I suppose. But um, so for sustainability, um, it also kind of gets lumped into that it's a, an energy thing, like it's above what the energy code is. And while there are some energy components to it, there's an awful lot of things that really kind of focus outside of building construction. You have uh, looking at the, the site, the type of, of site that you're going to build on. Is that a, a, a gray field? Is it a brown field? Is it a green field? You know, and, and being mindful to the fact that, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to destroy a green field. We want to keep that green field and utilize, you know, um, an, an area that maybe was previously developed. Um, uh, the other thing is also, you know, a lot of it is dealing with the, the type of plants that are in there, the type of landscaping that goes in. Is that, you know, landscape, um, you know, sustainable? Does it have the, the right type of water? Are you putting in a palm tree, um, you know, in an area that, you know, has too much water? Or are you trying to put in that beautiful, um, you know, uh, willow tree in an area that has absolutely no water? Right. So there's, you know, some of that and making sure that you really aren't introducing like those invasive plants into it and, and knowing, you know, where your your topography is. You know, let's let's build with the environment as opposed to against the environment. And, and like I said, I, I find that, um, you know, when you when you start talking about sustainability, you might get that glazed over look with, uh, you know, by some code officials, um, you know, or, you know, building officials and, and so forth, because that's not their area of of um, maybe recognition for it. And what I found is, you know, quite often, you know, uh, like planning planners will be really in tune with you know sustainability and and even energy components and i find that uh code enforcement is another department that really is in tuned um 
you know, with that, that aspect of it. And, and hopefully, you know, we can slowly transition and, and get that more readily um, recognizable um, on the, on the building side of things. And, and I see it, I mean, it, it, it's coming. Um, but I, I, I feel like um, a lot of the, the uh, up and coming aspect is getting more, uh, you know, code enforcement involved with this because I think they can really have a, an impact on it. Um, I know that, you know, sometimes you are, you know, have to enforce like the property maintenance code. And there are some sustainability aspects that are being introduced in that and, you know, are already in, involved with that. And I think that I look forward to seeing more involvement from, you know, code enforcement, especially like at the, the hearings. Um, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, getting active and making sure you vote for your codes and, and that campaign's coming back, by the way. But, you know, um, for the Sustainability Membership Council, we have our Building Safety Month video series that we do every, you know, for the last five or six years. And so every day we put a video out that's on the topic of within those weekly themes. And, but we always have a, you know, our catchphrase of what it'll be this year. And this year it's your actions, your codes, which I think is so important is, you know, you need to make sure that you have some sort of action, whether it's listening to the hearings or listening to, you know, uh, people talking about what their their co-change ideas are. And and if you are a, a governmental voting member, get on CDP and vote. Even if you go and vote for only three co-change proposals, get involved with the process. You know what? Your actions really are your code. So that's my commercial. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, and, and I'll tell you with code enforcement, the first time I ever dealt with any sustainability is um, I was in the city of Montebello. Montebello mm -hmm. was a lot of the areas were built on old, um, old uh, junk, uh, like a junkyards. Uh, so, oh, yeah. you know, and, and we had also, we had a brownfield um, that had a sunset date, you know, for many folks don't really know what, what, first of all, what is a brownfield? Brownfield is where, okay, now let me make sure because Grayfield and Brownfield are, are two different mm -hmm. things. And one is, um, it was a previously developed that has been, um, for various reasons, has been demolished or removed. And yeah. so those are the type of developments that we really want to utilize and not the greenfields. The greenfields are where it's, um, uh, you know, exactly what it sounds like. It's that, sure. that picturesque, you know, area. And those are the types of areas we want to leave you know, green. And then the gray field, I believe it is, is where there's, there's an issue with that particular um, area contaminant or what yeah. have you. So, so in, in the, um, in, in the city of Montebello, we had an area where it was actually contaminated and we, mm. they have, there was a sunset date where um, we had a, it had become an allowable use for industrial. Well, they came to that time where it, it was, it was, I think it was a 50 year sunset date. And they're like, Hey, it's up. We have to do something about it. So then, so we have to go out. So we had to go out there and code, code enforcement had to go out there and start talking to them. So we had to learn a little bit about the actual, um, the land, you know, and saying, Hey, you know, you, we, there's a sunset date and it's in our municipal code. We have to enforce it. There was a lot of, uh, you know, obviously this is uh, one of those, it becomes a political issue because a lot of, a lot of these folks are now having to relocate or find other areas to, to go to because now they have to deal with that particular land area. And what happened, what ended up happening, uh, well, good for me, was, uh, what do you call it, they, they extended the sunset day for another 20 years, which... I, you know, it, it is what it is. That's the uh, council direction. But at that time, that was the first time I ever had to deal with any type of sustainability issue where I had to learn the municipal code and what 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 the why was put there. So I had to do some research so I can explain it to these property owners. And at the end of the day, you know, um, I mean, that city was just full of issues. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and these are things that you kind of um, like we had oil fields. 
that mm-hmm. were now yeah. dry. So now there's redevelopment that's going to have to go in. So there was all these land studies and, you know, the, you had um, you had the um, different types of uh, organizations coming in saying, hey, you shouldn't build on that. We have this endangered, uh, endangered gnat over there. So you can't you can't build on it. You know, the Sierra Club, you know, a couple lawsuits and you get to learn so much on how the the land the land use you know which was a more of a zoning issue also ties in with some of these these um you know topography issues that you, you're always dealing with so for me i got to learn a little bit about sustainability and just on top of that you know during the california drought we had a we had many cities enacted these um water conservation ordinances yes. You know, which is, I know is your jam because I see the water faucet in the back with the drip, you know, and, and, you know, that's another issue that a lot of code enforcement officers deal with is water conservation ordinances. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the importance of water conservation? Oh, absolutely. And, and quite honestly, whether you're, um, uh, I think quite often when you start talking about water Mm -hmm. conservation, Instantly, people think of, well, that's a Southwest problem. That's a California problem. And and it's not often understood that in the last 20 years, a drought has affected every single state within this country and, and significant droughts. And you can go back and look at the, the drought maps, um, you know, for the last 20 years and be able to, to really see you know, where it's gone and and what it looks like. Um, Now, mind you, yes, the Southwest is, you know, we're, we're a deserted area. I mean, the, the fact is, you know, we may not have, you know, sand dunes all over the place, but we are a deserted um, area. And so when you start talking about that, you know, there has to be an understanding that there's only a finite amount of water to sustain, um, you know, all of us that are that are wanting to live in this, you know, these types of areas. And, and so the slightest thing can really affect you know, the, the amount of water, whether it's, we didn't get our snowpack because, you know, if we don't get our snowpack, you know, you guys don't get your water. Texas doesn't get their water. You know, it's just, you know, one of those things, but what ends up happening is, you know, communities have to think about, so what are we going to do? Because we don't have the water in the reservoir to last us for the rest of the year. And so things start getting put into place such as, you know, maybe um, you can't water except for one day a week. And quite often, you know, developers and, and other entities don't think about the type of grass that they put in the lawn. They want that Kentucky grass that grows great in that area because they have the moisture to do it. And they don't want it to be, you know, a not beautiful green uh, grass that happens there. Well, when they're gone, it's the homeowner then is thinking about, well, I want to make sure that my grass is green. And so what they do is they water. Whether or not they're only permitted to water once a week, you know, they, they need to keep that, that grass green. And so they, they water. And so often, you know, code enforcement ends up getting called out because you're watering your gla- grass on a day that isn't your designated day. Or um, the other one that kills me, just absolutely kills me, is um, they water so much and how they direct their their you know, um, emitters, whatever, whatever choice they use for watering their grass is you see it one, it's just spraying on the sidewalk going into the gutter or they're watering so much because they only get one day to water. So they're going to water it the whole eight hours that they're gone to work. And you see all that water just flowing off the grass onto the sidewalk into the gutter. And then you know, down into the, the systems. And, and that's, those types of things just kill me because I, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of things that I know cause I, I like to go and, um, you know, deal with uh, a, a lot of water issues. And, and so there's that, that recognition that, you know, code enforcement unfortunately has to go and, and regulate um, human behavior 
right? And unfortunately, you, you do that a lot. I mean, whether it's, you know, the, the junk heap that's in front of the lawn, you know, for as property maintenance, or maybe they do have that invasive plant that that's all over the place. But um, and unfortunately, I think the the water, um, I don't want to say police that I think is kind of coming. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's, that's going to be more of the norm yeah. than, than the, than the other, because we do have that finite amount of water and we have to share it with, you know, all the people that are coming into our communities, which is great because people like to increase their tax base. And, and, and it, it, I understand that, but we also have to have the water to sustain them. And it's not just, do we have the water to build and, you know, people think of it until they move in type of deal. Do you have the water to sustain that family of five for the next 25 years? And, and I think there's going to be more forward thinking on, on that aspect. And I think there's also going to be, um, unfortunately, a lot more work for code enforcement around um, water. <laughs> well, sorry. You, with code enforcement, there's always, you know, we're constantly evolving. Yeah. I, you know, we personally went to, I personally went to two, uh, two emergency droughts. And in both, uh, both, uh, both they had ordinances for, uh, you know, what they call us the water police, you know, and, and, it, and it happens and that's what we're called. And then sometimes we have to, that becomes a priority for the city, especially if there's a real uh, bad drought. You know, sometimes people can only water two days a week or on odd, only on odd days or, you know, it just depends on how the city writes the ordinance. Now, sometimes they say you can only water between these times and these mm -hmm. times because it's that's the most efficient or you can only run it 30 minutes at a time or, you know, so th there's people and trust me, there is people that will call like, Oh, I'm sure he <laughs> ran his thing for 35 minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, by the time I get there, <laughs> it's, it's fine. Well, you know, but it's not a, it's not a priority, but in some communities they make it a priority. Yeah. And uh, other things that we do see is um, you do see the um, uh, folks that, you know, um, that don't fix the leaks or, mm -hmm. you know, leave, um, uh, they have, uh, you know, like uh, spills or, I mean, you see all sorts of stuff with, with water conservation. I'm, uh, and, and it, and it's hard to tell people, Hey, you can't wash your car, you know, or what well, you have to wash it on the grass. You can't wash it on the street. You know, it's, and because now you can use the water to water your grass and then you get into the whole, like, Hey, your grass is Brown where it should, you know, and it's supposed to be green. So you get these issues with code enforcement where like we're trying to do our best to conserve the water, but then there's a, you know, um, when everybody's grass is brown and you're like, hey, you're not allowed to have brown grass. Well, you're not letting me water. And we get into those issues. So then we have to make arrangements like say, hey, maybe think about drought tolerant landscaping. Here's here's a plan. And a lot of jurisdictions do come up with some some good plans. So we have a question from one of our uh, members. Do you think that, that there's political will for moratoriums on construction for water deprived areas, given the affordable housing concerns with the current? Um, that, that is an excellent question question and and um uh, i really like when all of this really kind of came to a head for like down in uh, santa fe and what they did and so that construction could continue the builders had to bank water and to be able to bank water they had to put in and install um you know high efficacy um, water fixtures. And that was a way of being able to do it. They went, they actually had a program where they had a million toilets, I think it was, that were the 1.8, I want to say the 1.8. And so they were swapping out all these five gallon toilets for the 1.8. And that was how they were partially able to bank that water to be able to continue to build. I think the re when things start moving and there is that realization that you have to be able to, as a community, as a city, you have to be able to provide that water for them to, to drink and, you know, and have some sort of hygiene, maybe not water your grass so much, um, but you have to at least provide the quote unquote basic 
aspect of water, I think you're going to start seeing um, a lot of communities, maybe not so much do a moratorium, but hopefully they look towards uh, some of the other examples that other communities have used to be able to still allow for growth because, you know, that that is the reality. But the other part of that reality is currently we do not have the water for what we have right now, let alone any more that's coming in. Yeah, and sometimes you you know in some parts of um, the the nation you do see um, some of the code officers regulating agricultural water use, and oh, yeah. you, know, so you have a, that issue. And you know, and another component you get to code enforcement is that a lot of times we have to be that voice because I remember I was a recipient of those toilets. Uh, you know, they weren't my favorite toilets at first, but you know what? <laughs> and then I got used to them. And uh, so same thing with you know um, some there was grants where. The city was giving out those water, uh, um, those shower heads. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things. There was programs out there for, um, there was companies out there receiving grants to install uh, drought tolerant landscaping. A lot of the water companies got those. So, I mean, and they, they also, there's an education component on, you know, like you said, what type of, um, uh, you know, plants are, are appropriate for that certain region. You know, like you said, you, you don't, you know, I, you don't want to plant a, a, you know, water consuming something that needs a, like constant water all the time. You know, like, uh, like uh, I, there's some statistic about walnuts. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walnuts, they need so much water. So you know, there's always that uh, that educational component. And now you, you sit on some of these uh, uh, committees for you know. Uh, what are something something that uh, the sustainability committee is working on outreach and other than the videos that you stated. Well, sustainability actually has a, a lot of um, programs that they're they're trying to instill. One is, um, you know, it was mentioned earlier, we have our monthly coffee with the SMC that anybody is invited and everybody is invited to attend that, you know, we, we have the discussion, we, you know, develop those relationships. And, and sometimes we get where, you know, people come in and they're, they just have the question. And they get the opportunity to kind of pick, you know, quite a few brains and what's going on in other communities that are dealing with, you know, the type of situation. Um, the other thing is it's, uh, it's a campaign that we have done in the past in conjunction with the ELMC, which is the Emerging Leaders Membership Council. And I urge you, if you're not going to be a member of the SMC, then become a member of the ELMC because they they are a great um, membership council outside of the SMC, of course. But, you know, um, but what we do is we have a campaign that we are starting up again. It's the Vote for Your Codes campaign. And the idea is, you know, we really want to get everybody involved with voting for your codes and, and participating, whether that's, you know, you, you vote on CDP access, you submit a code change proposal, you listen, like I said, onto the, the um, uh, streaming event of when the hearings are going on, but to participate in some way, shape or form, because the reality is, you know, quite often people complain about, well, that's what, you know, the building code said, and that's what the energy code says, and that's what property maintenance said, but that's not, you know, it's like, but you had the opportunity to say something. So this is your chance to to do it in whatever shape or form that is, even if it happens to be that you are not uh, uh, able to attend the hearings and go, but can you cover somebody so that they, somebody else is able to go and experience, you know, being able to attend because that thing, being able to sit even one day at a code hearing really opens your eyes as far as how the process works, the passion that's involved with it. And you get an understanding too of, you know, how these codes are developed, why that came in, you know, you may not understand, you know, what that provision is trying to say and trying to do, but you go to that code hearing and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, that makes all the difference in the world. So I, that's, that's one of the things that, that we are uh, really working towards. Another aspect that we have been promoting for quite a bit is our sustain as our uh, ICC designation, which is our certified sustainability professional, the CSP, which if you 
see any emails from me or anything, you'll see the designation CSP, which I'm very proud of because that was, um, I helped develop that particular uh, designation 10 years ago, whatever, however long ago it was that we were working on it. Um, and and I think it's a great way of, of being able to get involved and, and, and to do it, you, you know. Um, and then of course we have our, just our outright advocacy. We advocate um, for, for many things such as the IGCC, the International Green Construction Code. When everything shifted in the 2018 where the technical content was coming from ASHRAE 189.1 and um, ICC was going to be handled, the administrative side of it, SMC made sure that things were going, you know, kind of according to quote unquote plan, I guess you could say. And when things started to develop that was not conducive to the ICC membership, such as um, the energy chapter, they were only going to reference the components of ASHRAE 90.1 and not make any reference whatsoever to the IECC. And we stepped in on behalf of the membership um, and brought this to the board and we brought it with options for them, whether it was, um, you know, create a separate appendix, include, you know, the um, uh, sections, the IECC sections within that particular chapter or just for the um, IGCC within that would be sold within the United States only reference the IECC. And ultimately what happened is the compromise happened and they created a separate appendix that just dealt with those particular references to the IECC. So we do things along those lines. We're a great um, advocacy for the membership when it comes to sustainability aspects or energy aspects. So if you have anything, please feel free to reach out to us because we we champion causes, you know, where where we can and as we see fit. So I love seeing the passion. I mean, you just went boom right here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because you know you get flowing with we're talking about code or energy and sustainability and, and you start talking and you know, you know, it's funny because a lot of times it becomes foreign to everybody else. And, and I love the way you kind of break it down to make it a little bit more, uh, you know, more understandable for somebody that may not know about sustainability. And, you know, and I think it, even when I talk about code and I bring it down to say, hey, yeah, well, we're the water police, but <laughs> this is why we do what we do. And, you know, end of the day. Um, so there's a lot of resources. I know you're a regular at the Next Generation Water Summit which is in uh, for builders, which is in Santa Fe, New Mexico, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about that summit? Uh, yes, I. it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I, I, uh, I have worked on the National Green Building Standard, which is ICC 700. It deals with kind of the residential side of uh, sustainable construction and i also vice chair the water efficiency subcommittee for that particular committee and one of the other members within that uh, group um i guess kind of understood the the passion that i had and there was a new uh water rating metrics that was introduced into the National Green Building Standard that was kind of based off of a, a program that Santa Fe was doing. And I was a big proponent of it. I liked it and I really thought it was a, a good idea. But ultimately what happened is uh, this particular person said, would you mind coming to the Next Generation Summit and, and speak about this new you know, program pathway that, that it's available in the National Green Building Standard. I said, sure, why not? I, you know, I, I'm good at talking. I can do that. <laughs> so, uh, Michael uh, and myself came down and we, we talked about, you know, the, how this all came about, what was in it, what was involved with it. And I, I was surprised. I had a couple of people that were very combative, um, 
in their questions, but I knew that going into it when I saw them sitting there at the, the session. <laughs> and ever since that, that moment, um, apparently I got some really high marks from people. Their, their comments about what I had done had resonated. And so since that moment, I've been what I call their token IECC um, code presenter because <laughs> I've brought them various different um, IECC, IGCC, you name it. And I don't know, it's it's a great time. I, I like how it was, was developed. And one of the things that really impressed me was um, they open it up to the public. It's not just for, you know, a certain type of people. They're the only ones that can do it. They have it open up to the public and for the residents of Santa Fe, it's free to, to be able to attend it. And they get so much knowledge. What amazes me is you'll be talking about gray water and they'll start talking uh, very specific information that you would expect to come from, a, you know, a builder or, you know, building ins inspector, whatever, something along that field, as opposed to a homeowner who want, who's doing the right thing and trying to make sure that they're putting the correct type of system in there. Um, it's, it, it's just fantastic. I, I, I love going and doing that every single year. So, you know, it's funny. It's uh, you know, when you're so passionate, you get pulled in so many different directions. And, and it's funny working for municipalities. Cause I, uh, you know, we're both in the private sector now. And, and it, yeah. it's, it's amazing how how there's so much stuff to do, you know, in the cold world and energy world, you know, there's, uh, you know, in the sustainability world. There's so much stuff to do that you get dragged all over. All of a sudden you're doing, you know, you're talking about uh, you just mentioned gray water. You know, we're, oh, yeah. for us, you know, uh, when we deal with with people just like maybe with sustainability you know you know people say hey that's hippie talking you're just costing me money you know, <laughs> you, you know with code enforcement like hey you're the lawn police now now i'm having to reroute my house because now you're going to cost me money you know we're we're in the same thing you know you're you're looking at it in the forward we're looking at it in the now and we're looking hey there was a lack of property maintenance back there and you're looking at hey there was a lack of you know, building some green stuff today where <laughs> tomorrow it's going to make a difference. And guess what? Code enforcement is going to eventually catch up You're and gonna... have to enforce it. <laughs> so it's a vicious little cycle and stuff. So, and, and it's, it's, you know, and it, it, people really need to understand that it's all intertwined. And, you know, mm -hmm. I love seeing the passion that you have for your craft because, you know, just talking to you, I can just see you getting all giddy and stuff. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's, and it, no, it's good stuff because I get giddy about code enforcement, you know, silly gets giddy, about, about you know the building code and and all this and and it's just exciting it's an exciting time it's, i love seeing you at work you know just doing your sustainability you know that's not my lane but i can me as a code official i can respect you know the whole sustainability and i i've seen the work that that people have done i see andre and the emergency emergent leaders uh, committee and it's just it's just awesome to watch all these individuals kind of just blossom and grow and and teach the profession and one of the things that we see is many states have different, uh, different, different type of ordinances or regulations when it comes to the green quarter sustainability. And a lot of times you are a reference to help them understand, you know, maybe formulating their, their particular uh, codes and stuff like that. So thank you for that. So. Well, I'm always happy to help where I can. And, and it's so funny that you, you bring up that, you know, you're, <laughs> you're down the road and enforcing the, the green that we're trying to get in. And, um, you know, one, one of the things is, you know, for Colorado, we have extremely strict laws when it comes to, to water. And because of that, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, well, I don't, want to touch it but we had the opportunity that we could start doing rainwater harvesting but you're only allowed a certain number of uh, gallons that you can utilize and it can only be this and that so now you know you you talk about that and it's like yep code enforcement's gonna have to go out and say hey you know we know you're trying to be sustainable and do the right thing but you can't have two barrels here <laughs> you know <laughs> so 
<laughs> and we could say, hey, and it has to be covered because now you're causing mosquito heart. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> and it, yeah, like I said, you know, there's there's things that inter- intertwine even, you know, even in the construction, uh, the insulation that's being put in, uh, solar. I mean, there's so many things with sustainability moving forward and leaving that carbon footprint like Cecilia was talking about. I mean, we, we have to take all this into consideration because people will inherently try to save the most money when doing their construction work because you know what why do i need um why do i need these type of windows you know what's wrong with like you know if i knock down this wall and just put in my old windows back in you know they they were perfectly good windows you're like well they don't meet the you know they're not good for uh sustaining heater you know keeping in the heater keeping out the cold so you know so there's a reason why those windows are rate a certain a certain type and how there's better standards that keep developing. So, I mean, it all has to do with each other. And, you know, as code enforcement officials, that you have to recognize the value and what the sustainability, you know, membership's doing and, and, and just learn with it. It's another tool in the tool belt for code enforcement. So. It is. And, and here's something for you. Did you know that the ancient Romans actually required that in their bathhouses, you had to install glass in the windows and the reason for that is because they, you are utilizing heat to heat those bathhouses. And so to keep the heat in, you had to have glass on your windows. So it's not a new concept. It's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't see many bathhouses nowadays. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. funny. But no, that's and, and, you know, even going back to even older, you, you know, we, we always teach the Hammurabi code, you know? And, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's like years and like, you know, and you're thinking, I'm like, wow, that stuff's been around. I mean, but, you know, nowadays you get a visit from code enforcement, you know? And nowadays, you know, you're not put to death by your neighbor, <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, which was in their code back in the day, you know, so. And it's, We've it's, evolved. Right. So, but no, it's, it's, it's good stuff. And, you know, I really appreciate you being, I'm sorry, Cecilia had to run, but, you know, she is in a municipality. Um, she's coming on, on to come into the private sector. She'll, she'll have more time to concentrate on this stuff, just like you have time to concentrate on your energy code. Yeah. It, it just comes with that territory. So uh, with that, Hope, thank you for being the rock star that you are. Thank you for, you know, for coming on the show. It, it was a pleasure meeting you at the annual business meeting in Pittsburgh. And, you know, just for you guys that have never attended annual business meeting, it's great networking. We have a lot of guests that came on to the show because of that networking. And you know what? The people that are rock stars and are passionate about their craft, they're always willing and able to help. They're always going to do it. Like Hope didn't even know her, uh, you know, saying, you know, she, I'm like, hey, I want you on the show. She's like, OK, you know, and then here she is today, you know, and I love it. I appreciate the time that you gave us and the knowledge. And, you know, do you have any last words before we sign off? Um, Just thank you so much for having me on here and allowing me to to, I guess, chat about things that I'm passionate about. But the the one thing I guess I just want to say is, you know, um, I'm, I'm very big on mentoring kind of the next generation coming into it. And I do a lot of work on that. So keep in mind that hopefully you can find that person to pass along all the great experiences and all the knowledge that you've been able to develop. That's that's my plea. Whether it's code enforcement or sustainability, just pass it along. And you know what? The, the passion passion of people will give you the information free of charge. Oh, yeah. oh so, absolutely. So you know, <laughs> they'll support you in your you know whatever crazy ideas you have. And, <laughs> You know, because we know we have them, Hope. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Hope, again for coming on the show. With that, I will bid everybody goodbye. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you. Bye.